Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire podcast. I have a very big announcement. My family and I, my younger two kids, and my wife and I are going to be joining Youth with the Mission as missionaries, and we're going to be leaving September the 27th. Um, uh, I've had people ask, uh, will the Kindling Fire continue? Yes, I plan to continue the podcast and the blogs and all the other things that I'm doing as best I can uh, as we are in training and then eventually going on to outreach. Um, if you would l- like to learn more about that adventure that my wife and I and family are taking, go to our website, Troy and Kathy with a K. TroyandKathy.com, or go to YouTube and subscribe to our Mangum Adventures channel. Okay, let's get to the podcast. Whatever. Me, of all people, I'm committed to Jesus. I can't go through a divorce. That's, that's not even... So you go through a divorce, and you just go... It's like that ball. You go... <laughs> you know, it's like your head just spins. And yeah. then you don't know what to do because now you've, you've got, the, you got the Letterman sweater with a, a D on it. Right. And the Letterman sweater is divorced. Oh, you broke the man's code. You broke the pastor code. You are a failure. Yeah. You, you are not on the team anymore. You're an embarrassment to the team. Yep. And, so, and, and if they don't say that, they let you know. Yeah. All the people that used to be your friends don't call you anymore. All the people that used to tell you how great you are and they love you don't want to return your emails. You know, you are off the grid with your Letterman sweater. It has a D on it. Yeah. And, and the religious community reminds you, uh, Pastor, you are really messed up. You know, we put our hope and faith in you, and, and you just let us down completely. You're, you're, just, a, you're just embarrassment, and you're, you're just a bad guy. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Hey, welcome to part two of the conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and check it out and then tune into this one. And I remember saying to my dad, what do you think? He said, you, you need to know the unexpected comes in life. Hmm. And it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And then I said to my dad, dad, you know, I didn't screw up. I mean, I didn't go to my wife and I didn't I, I was a tither the whole time, and I, I was faithful. And he said, he said to me, just classically, get over it. Move on. <laughs> and this is, a, this is a Sunday school, Baptist Sunday school teacher who taught Sunday school for 40 years. He said, get over it, move on. I said, thanks for the slack, Dad. Appreciate the, the kindness. And he said to me, at least you're not selling apples on the street. Referring to his father selling apples on the street during the Great Recession or the Great Depression. And he said when, when 25% of the people in America um, don't have a job, and many of them were tithers, and many of them were churchgoers, and many of those were faithful, many of those went to church, what are you going to do then? He 
said, you boomers have been living pretty good for a long time. It's about time you got your comeuppance, the way you spend money in Congress. I like the debt today. And you spend money like it's nothing. There's no accountability. There's a blah, blah, blah. So you lost 2.5 million bucks. You're broke. Start over. Get over it. Move on. And this was, I should have known I was a Republican. You know, just, just saying, son, I love you. Welcome to the world. Um, let's see what you're made of now. Mm, mm. And it was just such a wake-up call. You know, I just went, gosh, Dad, I've been walking with the Lord for, for 40 years. I've never thought this could happen to me. And he goes, most of us don't think the things that can really happen to us really will happen to us than they do. And I said, then what he said, then you check your whole card and find out what you're made of. There's going to be, there's going to be pressure and things and problems that are come to all men in their lives. But the challenge is how they respond to them. And some of them last a year, and some of them last six months, some of them last 10 years. So, son, you know, you've been preaching people how to live. Now we'll see how you're going to live now that you've lost everything. We'll see who you really are. And um, I remember I went home, and um, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do in Reno. Um, the, the people in the church lost their jobs. Um, Churches tried to move on. They couldn't. Pastors lost their homes. Nevada was hit real hard in the recession. Yeah. And so I said to my dad, my mom died, and I said at 91, I said, Dad, at 92, my mom died at 91, my dad was 92. I said, Dad, what, what would you like to do? And he wanted to die at home. He said, son, I want to die at home. Can you come home? And uh, I'd like to, you know, maybe have you around. And I said, sure, Dad. So I moved home, and it was sort of a, I needed him and he needed me. I needed him because I just needed a place to just process uh, blowing up. And then he needed a son. And we had to work on some stuff anyway because I'm an adopted son. My dad adopted me out of a home society kind of thing when I was three months old, like an orphanage, but all for babies. Yeah. And uh, I've been a wild son because I never could get his approval. I never was smart enough. My dad was Menza. And if you weren't Menza, for those of you who don't know, that's my dad was a genius. And um, if you weren't an academic, you weren't worth anything. And I wasn't an academic. And so I never get my dad's approval. So I, I found I did all kinds of dysfunctional black sheep things to get my dad's approval. And finally, you know, I get arrested. My dad's the presiding judge of the county. So I proceeded to get arrested on purpose. So I'm going to get his attention. And I didn't know all that stuff back then, you know. But your family has functions and dysfunctions and there's no perfect family, and um, my dad had never uh, been hugged in his life because his dad, his dad was a depression guy that was always gone trying to send money home to the family. So I never got a hug from my dad till I was 55 years old when I hugged him, and he, he yelled at me to stop hugging him, and I said, no, I'm going to hug you. You're, gonna, you're a Sunday school teacher. You're going to hug me. I love you. And finally he broke. And he held me, and then he wanted to hug all the time the rest of his life. So, you know, it was one of those deals where you work through your issues layer by layer, onion skin by onion skin. And I went home and I processed, and as I told you off the, off the radio program or podcast, uh, I didn't open up my Bible, I think, for four years, five years. Yeah. I, I was done. What, were you, know, you serving you? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I, I would love to get into because I I went through a very dark season as well in my forties, and 
you know, I got to a point, I was like, God, you know, I've tried to do right by you. Why all this bad stuff? You know? Did you have to process with the Lord? Did you have to, you know, deal with your feelings about all of that? You know, I would go surfing and not even try to catch a wave. I just sit, sat on the board and stared at the sunset or the sunrise and just, I was happy just to sit. <laughs> and I think, so when you say, did you process? I processed every hour of every day for four or five years where I wouldn't even talk to God per se, wouldn't open his word. I was mad, I was bitter, I gave up my best shot. People say, what would you have done differently? And the really sad part is nothing. You know, with the Bible school, I planted a church, I tried my best, I grew the church, I did that, I spoke, did, tried to be a role model, tried to be a leader, and then, I, you know, what would I do different? I tried to do things right with my wife, I tried to do things right with everybody, and it just blew up. So, yeah, I had dark times. I didn't have suicide, but I had, I had moments where, like, I questioned everything about me. And so... Um, you work through that. I don't know how you got through yours and the guys listening on the podcast get through theirs, but there's a time when you just need to let time heal. And so one of the scriptures I did, you know, I read through the Bible every year. I bought a Bible and underlined it. We did the Old Testament, then we did the New Testament. I'd always get to 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, and some of these little scriptures, you know, this one is, in the course of time. And I remember thinking, in the course of time. But old people talked about in the course of time more than young people. Old people said, yeah, you know those 10 years. Or, you know, ah, my second marriage. Or, you know, in the course of time. And I, as a young guy, I didn't get it. But there's something about just letting time process you and heal. And over the course of time, things happen. Hmm. It's unexplainable. It's hard to stay mad forever. It's hard to stay bitter forever. It's yeah. hard to stay angry forever. Because most of us want somewhere along the line, psychologically, to let go and, and let the bright side come out and see the sunrise and see a new day. And yet, some guys can be bitter for a long time and really hold on or angry or something vengeful. But the scripture says, in the course of time, and I found in my 50s to 60s, in the course of time, God began to talk to me, and I began to listen again, and I began to say, Lord, I don't like you, don't want to serve you, don't want to trust you. I gave you the best 35 years of my life. You know, I did everything that I thought you wanted me to do, from smuggling Bibles in Europe to theology degree to building and planting and serving and helping. And I don't know if I, if I need, if I, if I need enemies, I don't need enemies and I don't need friends that to me that feel like enemies. I mean, <laughs> I, I gave you my best. What does that mean? The church? <laughs> the whole thing. I gave, I gave you my best, God, you know? And so if this, is, this is my reward for throwing down the gauntlet and saying, I'm going to serve you like lordship and do, you know, even if guys didn't like me, didn't like my opinions, leaders. I'm going to stand my ground for my convictions. I'm going to be the, the I'm going to be an authentic me. And I think some people said that's why I got dealt with. You know, you're rebellious. You know, you wouldn't listen to authority or this or that. And I'd say, God, I gave it my best shot. 
So I don't really want to work for you again. Don't ask me to do anything, will you? <laughs> and, and over the course of time, Lord said, you still pissed? <laughs> I say, yeah. He said, okay, I'll talk to you in six months. And all the time, you know, he's in the back of my head saying, you over it yet? <laughs> you want to talk? You want to process? <laughs> There'd be moments I did, and I was a good, bitter guy. I said, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm, I'm still mad. <laughs> and so he'd say, okay, I'll, I'll see you in six months. And I'd surf, and I'd work out, and I'd, you know, I'd do stuff. And, you know, it's like some crazy cartoon, the guy pacing back and forth in his room, you know, and the jailer's outside going, you want to eat yet? No, get that crap out of here. <laughs> and you just finally go, okay, I give. And the Lord said, you give? And I go, yeah, I sort of give. You know, I like Jesus more than God. You know, Jesus is a nice guy. He died for my sins. God, I don't get you. <laughs> I don't get this big picture. But what really haunted me the most was, you know, after doing all these nations with all these suffering people in Africa and Asia and Central and South America, I mean, they got it so much worse than anything I've ever been through. Like, how come that guy has that goiter in the middle of that camp in the middle of South America and there's no medicine? That's not fair either. Or how come, how come those kids got AIDS in Uganda? They didn't deserve that. You know, so I'm all the time wrestling. My suffering is nothing. My problems are nothing. You know, pediatric ICU with a parent in pediatric ICU, you know, you go, my problems are nothing. They're fighting for their kids' lives. So I'm, I'm all the time feeling like a wuss because, you know, I don't have it bad. I'm alive. I've got both arms and legs, you know, I'm breathing. And I've got this, I've got this attitude. And so, and I'm, I'm out on, and I'm out on this, this Southern California surf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to stay mad, you know? It's like, God, you're a wuss, Owen. So why don't you get over it? I mean, what's your problem? Yeah. And I'd say, I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk. I don't want... And the Lord would just keep knocking on the door. You ready yet? Do you have a temper tantrum still? And I'd just go, oh, crap. So, you know, finally you loosen up and you go, I, and all the time, what's really torture is my dad wants me to take him to church. <laughs> so I, I got to go to stinking church and take my dad. He's on a cane. Take my church. And then the pastor finds out that I was a pastor. He finds out, oh, you were a pastor of a 3,000-member church, huh? And, and then he asks me questions. I don't want to talk to him. I don't even like the guy. I don't like his style. I don't like the way he goes after money all the time. <laughs> this and that. So I'm, I'm a jump, double jumper. You, you sound like a, every I'm going to just say, you sound like a, a bitter old man in the making. <laughs> you really, I mean, you have all the ingredients. Like this, this guy is going to, this will be the result of all this. <laughs> well, well then, you see, then you see the movie Up. Yeah, they, up? yeah, I know that yeah, movie. Like, this friend goes, that's you. <laughs> I go, how do I do this? <laughs> I'm popping balloons, you know. I'm thinking, this is the craziest life I would never spot, you know. In my 50s and then my 60s, I'm just a jerk. I'm mad. And with a temper tantrum, like, I used to tell guys, why don't you change the diaper, dude? I mean, how long have you been carrying that? Can't you, can't you fix that in your life? Change your own diaper? Little babies need to have their diapers changed by somebody. How long do you need somebody to change your diaper? Go get it fixed. You know, I mean, what's your issue? You hate your dad? Get over it. You know, or you want to do this to your wife? Work on it, you know? And then here I am. I got this poopy diaper, and I can't change it myself. 
And you just go oh, back. It comes, it comes around, slugger. man. Oh, my gosh. The man, Lord, this sluggard rolls back and forth on his bed, you know. Yeah, I t- the Lord in his love, in his love. Because I've, I've gone down that road where you're just so staunchly opinionated about something. And it's just, this is the way it is. This is the way it should be. And then, you know, you live long enough. You're like, dang, I am... I am I am arguing I was arguing against where I am today and I've got to what am I going to do now you know am I going to humble myself am I going to you know like you say change my own diaper and I've been the one saying that everybody needs to change theirs uh, but you know what it's well, all done in love God loves us thank I, Jesus I, and I just want to say to all the guys out there listening to this or pastors you're going to make it <laughs> I just want you to know you're going to make it if you don't foul out if you don't shoot yourself you're gonna make it god loves you he's for you he knows where you are you know you're you're giving your best shot he's gonna help you and you're gonna make it you just gotta figure out where you're gonna get some good friends to tell you the truth and how you're gonna change that diaper and how you're gonna work through this and i counsel pastors all the time now i mean i work with pastors they call me up they go robert can i talk i go no go to your district guy go to your go to your supervisor good no, no, I don't want to tell them. Can we talk? <laughs> What's your issue, guy? So what turned it around? I mean, so you, you described this kind of pursuing, loving father to you that you kind of annoyed you for see, long season. What, what, what kind of shifted for you? Where did it shift? It, it, there was nothing that was noticeable to me. Okay. It just seemed like it faded away. Hmm. Like the fog lifted, or just in time, I, the, my feelings changed. I'm a positive guy. I'm a happy guy. I like to serve people. I like to encourage. I like to build. And that stuff was bubbling down within me, and I just finally, it, it broke through the bitterness and the anger. It just just took time. You know, you, when you go through a divorce, I mean, I was, I was devastated. You know, I I had never thought in my life I would ever, me of all people, I'm committed to Jesus. I can't go through a divorce. That's that's not even, so you go through a divorce and you just go, it's like that ball, you go, <laughs> you know, it's like your head just spins. And yeah. then you don't know what to do because now you've, you've got the, you got the Letterman sweater with a, a D on it. Right. And the Letterman sweater is divorce. Oh, you broke the man's code. You broke the pastor code. You are a failure. Yeah. You you are not on the team anymore. You're an embarrassment to the team. Yep. And so and, and if they don't say that, they let you know. Yeah. All the people that used to be your friends don't call you anymore. All the people that used to tell you how great you are and they love you don't want to return your emails. You know, you are off the grid with your letterman sweater, it has a D on it. Yeah. And and the religious community reminds you, uh, Pastor you are really messed up. You know, we put our hope and faith in you, and, and you just let us down completely. You're, you're, just, a, you're just embarrassment, and you're, you're just a bad guy. Hmm. And you just look at yourself, and you go, gosh, Lord, I mean, I wish there was a chapter in some book that would help me work through this. Where's the, where do I go? Who do I talk to? And so what I finally had to do is I talked to some guys that went through divorces, and guys who were in the ministry had gone through divorces, who they didn't want to have a divorce. And they went through that. And then this crazy thing happens. I'm speaking in Arizona a couple years ago, 
And this guy walks up to me and he says, hey, Pastor Rob. And I say, hey, what? He goes, you know, you were really good today. And I go, really? Why? He says, because I hurt you before the divorce. And now I've heard you after the divorce. You're a different guy. You, you're, a, you're a different guy. You're a better man today than you were before the divorce. Wow. And I said, what is that? And he goes, you know, humble pie is a good thing for a lot of, a lot of guys. You know, you're full of yourself. You're good. But a little humility and a little brokenness, you know, you're a good man today, Mr. Owens, Pastor Owens. And I said, what was I before? He said, you're a little bit strong, a little bit, little, little, little bit of you, a little bit of Jesus. But there's more Jesus coming out of you now than there was before. <laughs> and I go, does that mean i got to go through a divorce to get better? He goes, no, that divorce didn't hurt you. <laughs> and I go... Well, thank you very much. Will you pray for me? He laid hands on me and prayed for me. He said, Lord, bless Pastor Rob. This Pastor Rob's giving his best shot. He's, he's a good man. You know, Lord, I'm sorry about the divorce, but he's a, he's a better man now, Lord, so thank you very much. He walked away. I said, Lord, he goes, I hope you're a better man today. <laughs> So, I love how casual that is because divorce is it, so gut-wrenching. I mean, it is gut-wrenching and, and, and the pain and the, and the unbelief. And, and I didn't go through it, but I got right, right there, right on the edge where I, was, I knew it was all over. And I tell you what, the, the contrast of that story with how gut-wrenching it is, I mean, I don't know. The Lord, the Lord is a redeemer, and I think he has a sense of humor in the midst of it all, honestly. You know, I know there's all different kinds of listeners listening to me today. And um, I don't want to be sacrilegious, and I don't want to make light of a divorce. I don't want to in any way sort of legitimatize or make it okay. It's the worst thing in the world for your kids. It's the worst thing for, for me, for her. It's terrible. However, um, you have a choice. Are things going to make you better? Or are things going to make you worse? And I believe, you know, God is bigger than, than me, and he can take a guy like me, and he can be merciful to me, and he say, Robert, we've got 30 years to, to go. How do you want to do them? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to have an attitude? Or do you want to stay here in this mud puddle and just fart and just, you know, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me? So do you have some more challenges, Robert, you're going to go through? And I'd just like to know how you want to do the rest of your life with me. Like your dad that went to 100, we have from 60 to 100, and we got another 40 years. So um, you, want to, you want to pick yourself up and go again, or you want to just talk about how life sucks, or what do you want to do? Mm. And it's funny. I, I get phone calls now from pastors and from guys. And, um, I still now, now I'm back on the grid. You know, it's like, people, are, you, are you speaking again, Pastor Rob? Are you coaching? And, Say, well, I do some. What's your What's your issue? And they'll talk, and I'll laugh, and they'll say, "Don't laugh. It's painful." I say, "I know, I know, but you will live and not die. I promise you, you will live and not die, and you're going to make it, and your kids are going to make it. You can be a great somebody to your ex-wife. You can You can glorify God with the stuff you've gone through. Do you want to? Is the issue? And then we talk. And it's pretty fun because men go through stuff. Women go through stuff. Yeah. But men, men, brokenness can be a good thing. I don't will it on anybody. I don't know it's God's will. 
But I know that when you go through the fire, you know, suffering produces, Romans 5, verse 3, suffering produces. I wish it started with perseverance produces, but suffering produces. And it lists, you know, character and perseverance and all those things. So I'm not big on suffering, but it's a pill sometimes you have to swallow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just doing this Navy SEAL camp this weekend, and one of the things we do with guys is we put them in an ice bath. We get a big horse trough and fill it with 18 bags of ice. Wow. And it's 4 in the morning, and we spray them down with a hose to get them shivering. And then we look at them, and we say to them, uh, get in that tub. And they look at you with all that ice floating on top. If you're not an athlete, you're not used to maybe cold water, guys that like saunas and cold water, but they look at that from Iowa, or they look at that from Dubai or from two guys. A father-son team came this week from Denmark to try to see if they could do it. Father ended up in the hospital. You you say to them, now you're going to get in that tub, and we're going to keep you there for a while. And we only keep them there if it bothers them. If it doesn't bother them, we just, no, that didn't work. We get them out. But if it really rocks the world, you put them in the ice, and then you just look at them in the eye and say, stay there. And then we stick this bottle, like a plastic Coke bottle, and we cut the top of it off so you can breathe through it. You stick the, the, the cap end in your mouth, and then the other end has it's been cut off so it's open. We make them submerged like they're in scuba in this, this ice bath. And we say, we want to see who you are in this ice bath. And you get all these reactions. Why? Because we're trying to make better men. We're trying to get people to, to know they can go through more than they think they can. Hmm. Why? Because they're supposed to, we're trying to make leaders. It's not like we're trying to do suffering. We're trying to let you know you can go through more than, you will, than your mind will let you go through. And we're going to show you you're stronger than, we, than you think you are. And we're going to take you through things to show you that when, the rest of your life, when you go through things, you've already been something, a crucible event that reminds you you can go through far more than you ever think you can go through. And they get out at the end, and they get an ice tub, and they look at you. We put them in it maybe five times over two days. Um, and, then, and then they just go ahead and say, at the end, they hug you and they cry, and they say, thank you so much. And we say, we believe in you. We believe in you more than you believe in yourself, and you're going to make it through this. And that's what life is. Men go through stuff, and it's not going through it. It's how you come out the other end, and sometimes it takes six months to get over it, sometimes six years, sometimes six hours. But you can go through more and be a man of God and be a man who loves Jesus and be a good man. You just have to learn how to have friends around you while you're going through that That brokenness time and that hard time, which all of us are going to get sooner or later. There's a, there's a card in your, your report card that says you have to go sometime through this broken thing. Well, that's a wife, a kid, money, getting fired, sickness. Life has a way of humbling you. And yeah. so you just need to know how to get through it. So the thing that the imagery that you are talking about <clears throat> is not an imagery of someone alone going through these things. It's an imagery of people saying, I am going to be with you. I believe in you. And and when you go through this hard things, I'm still here. And sometimes you'll never have any of those people saying any of those things to you while you're going through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think a lot of men go through suffering without anybody. Right, like in your situation, you know, you get the big D, you know, letter. As a pastor, it, it, it's you know, people start moving away pretty quick. 
and it's unfortunate and it's wrong and it's sad and but that's a whole nother podcast oh man you're not kidding but 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 i have found i was not able to endure without brothers without somebody saying you're gonna make it i had people laughing at me going oh really that's your situation you know what let me tell you mine and it was 10 times worse and they're 10 times better than I am right now. And I'm like, how is this possible? Because <laughs> this feels like the end of the world. And yet they were smiling at me going, you're going to make it. Either way, whatever the, happens, you're going to make it. <laughs> and you pa- that's right. And if you pastors listening to this, your job is to know that your men are going to have problems. And some of them you can help with, some you can't. But it's your job to affirm men you're a man of God, you're going to make it, you're going to come back, and you're going to do what's right. Now, if you're screwed up, you're screwed up, but I'm believing in you, and you never stop believing in them, no matter how bad they are. I followed my guys all the way to prison. and Go into prison. I love you. I'm for you. I know you're here, but you deserve to be here. You're screwed up. Now, be the best man you can be in prison. I expect you to be a leader here. I expect the guards to say, he's the go-to guy. Wherever, you're going to, wherever you end up, you know, wherever you end up, be the best you can be. Yeah. Because it's, when you get to heaven, you know, it's, it's a well done, good and faithful. And what's that look like? Well, you should have a bunch of arrows in your back, a bunch of dents in your shield. You know, it's not like you come in with a shower on. You should come on victorious with all these arrows stuck at you and dents in your shield. Look, I made it. <laughs> it was a long 70 years, but I made it the best I could, you know. And you'll look at you and go, you're a good man. I mean, you're saved. You're here. Uh, I hope he wants to say, let's have a cup of coffee and we talk about it. a few questions. But, you know, life is not for, for the lighthearted. It's for those who are going to suffer and press through and change and repent and repent some more and repent some more and ask for forgiveness and come back and try it again. And yeah. It just, it's, an, it's an abalone. You, know, you just keep hitting that thing with a hammer until you finally can eat it. You know, that scripture, uh, I've said it so many times, and it's in Hebrews, and it says, we are not like those who shrink back. You mm-hmm. know, and the idea that the, 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 the essence of, of a godly man and, and Jesus infusing something in a man is you are not like those that shrink back. Now, you might say, I feel like shrinking back. I want to shrink back. I am shrinking back. But it's like you don't have to because you're not that. That is not your truest identity. You can endure. You can make it. And I've confessed that so many times over myself when I wanted to quit. So... You know, quitters never win, and winners never quit. We all know that. <laughs> so tell us, uh, so as we wrap it up here, um, and it's been really fun talking with you, tell us a little bit about just, you know, what you're doing now, and then how people can get, and, you know, follow up with you and, and learn more about you. Well, that's kind. Um, you know, um, I'm having fun. Uh, I fly down to Lackland Air Force Base. And um, I'm getting occasionally, hopefully more and more, to train our special ops guys. The Navy has the SEALs, the Army has the Rangers, the Marines have Force Recon, and the Air Force has the smallest group called Pararescue. And I've been asked to come down and be sort of a grandfather figure to all these young men who want to be special ops guys. Um, And over 50% of the men today that want to be special ops SEALs, Rangers, Pararescue, Force Recon, 
over 50% of those men did not have a father in the home. And so there's issues, there's men's issues. And so I have been asked to come down and be a part of like a grandfather cadre of guys, old senior, senior pararescue guys come back and talk to these young men who, who just want someone to talk to because they've never really been able to process their manhood, their life, what makes a man, all that stuff. So I'm having a great time doing that. I also am still speaking to men's groups occasionally. If that works out, I speak to senior pastors. I just did a, um, I've done a couple senior pastor symposiums and the religious guys don't know what to do with me and the non-religious guys sort of laugh with me because I'm not real religious, sort of the way I am. And so I, I had a, like this, I, I asked one group of senior pastors, I said, um, why should the, the people in your church respect you? And they looked at me, they're all just dumbfounded. They, one guy says, because I'm the pastor. I said, position is the lowest level of leadership. <laughs> so if, you true. Get, if, if you only get respected because you've got a badge on your chest or you're a senior pastor, you're, you're a loser, dude. <laughs> How big is your church? Well, they're staying away in crowds, aren't they? So what's your issue? Why are, do people respect you? And then I say you know, to them, tell me why they respect you as a man. Do you have more women in your church than men? Why? Why do the women love you but the men stay away? And so, oh, I bet you're a hit, man. (laughs) Well, you know, it's good. um, You're asking the right questions. Absolutely. It's we are called to be men, and we're called to be role models, and we're called to be leaders, and we're called to have people say, I want to be like you. Your kids want to say, I want to be like you, and your church people should say, We want to be like him. Um, I mean, I'll, if I could have a moment, I'll tell you this. this. I, I'm doing an Ironman. I'm doing Ironman Mexico. And there's this big guy, and we're in the marathon, and this is big guy. He's probably 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and he's looking about, you know, 180 or so. And we're running through this marathon section of the marathon, and this woman jumps off the curb and runs up and just grabs him, starts crying, I love you, I love you, you know. People are, and, I, and he goes, he kisses her and stuff, I go, I guess that's your wife? And he goes, yeah. And I go, man, she's, she's stoked. I mean, she really thinks you're the, you're the man at the moment in the marathon. He said, well, yeah, you know, this was an experiment that I did, and I set a goal in front of my church, and he leaked. I said, oh, pastor, yeah. What's up? Tell me your story, dude. says I was 300 pounds. And I was a Baptist pastor. I won't tell you where. <laughs> uh, the Southern Baptist pastor in Texas. 300 pounds, and he said, you know, my kids were sort of humming a hum one day, and they just said, you know, Dad, the reason that people don't come to church is because you're fat. <laughs> 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 and I said, and? And he goes, well, I'm fat. And all of our church dinners had pies and cakes and cookies, and, did, and I had a church full of fat people, and we were all unhealthy. And I was a lead fat guy. And so he said, well, my kids, my friends, the kids said, my friends don't want to come to youth group because they're just a fat old guy. So I can't grow the youth group because you're the fat preacher. <laughs> I said, how'd that go? He goes, well, it sort of rocked my world. My kids are sort of embarrassed of me too. But they love me. I'm the man of God. So I said, what'd you do? He said, I went and I talked to some folks. And he said, I'm going to get in shape. So he went for the whole church and said, um, I want to let you know I'm going to lose 120 pounds or whatever it was, 130 pounds. And they all laughed and said, have another piece of pie. 
And so he said, he went to a gym and said, I want to do an Ironman a year from now. And the guy said, yeah, right. And so the guy lost 130 pounds, 140 pounds, and he was doing his Ironman. And he was saying to his church, I'm not going to be the fat preacher of this Baptist church anymore. I'm going to be a role model that my kids are proud of. And so he was doing this Ironman, and as he's telling me his story, he's crying. And I see why his wife is just over the top. And he said, I've banned all cakes and pies. <laughs> my church, you know, thing. Get Wait, behind fruit, me, Satan. <laughs> fruits and nuts and stuff. And he dared the whole church like Rick Warren did when Rick Warren was trying to lose all that weight. You know, I want everybody in the church to be healthy, and I'm going to lead by example. See, I really believe that the, the scripture the pastor needs to have is follow me as I follow Christ. That the, the goal is I'm going to lead and I'm going to be the role model, and I'm going to set the tone, and this is the way our people are going to be. We're going to be healthier, happier, whole. We're going to be role models. We're not going to be, we're not going to be followers. We're going to be leaders, blah, blah, blah. So I, I run into all kinds of guys who then they ask me to come speak, or they, they want part of the story or this or that. And so I'm having a great time doing a lot of secular work, which is all really men's ministry, and then I do coaching and Corporate consulting for companies. They they hire me and they say, will you come in? And I say, what you what are you trying to do? And where are you trying to go? And how much time do you have to do it? And how much money will it cost? And can you do it with these employees? Or do you need new employees? And then how do you get these employees? And so I, I do corporate consulting. So it's been a pretty fun time to make a comeback. Um, things are different. Uh, I have no bitterness. It's just a, it, Jesus is nice to me, and I, he's my friend again. I love him. <laughs> we talk. And... Um, <laughs> I, and I, I, I do these extreme endurance events. And maybe for the listeners, maybe I can say this to you guys. Um, there's a scripture, you know, about, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? And he had a staff. And Moses said, it's a staff. And so God said, it's not a staff. It's a miracle-working rod. And Moses goes, no, it's just a staff. I do sheep. You know, I'll take care of sheep. And Moses goes, that's what you see it as. But when you give that to God, that thing could turn into a miracle working rod and it can rescue people and be a leadership tool. And so when that message was given somewhere years ago, the, the, the speaker said, what is it that's in your hand that you take for granted? It's a gift that you have. Maybe it's science or math or, or athletics or art or speaking or something, but you think it's just you. It's just, just some dirty old thing to use all the time. You know, it's just, it's my everyday tool. But you give that same tool to God and he'll do something amazing with it. Well, when I heard that message, the pastor said, what's in your hand? <laughs> you know, like what's in your wallet? What's in your hand? And in my hand was, I've always been able to just be athletic. Not because I'm a great athlete, but if I just use what I got, it works. And so, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to keep your athletic um, staff sharp because if it's sharp, it'll work for you, it'll work for me. So I, like when I speak, let's say, to the, the New York Jets or I've spoken in the past to the Ravens or the Eagles or something, they don't want to hear a preacher. They don't want to hear a pastor, but they want to hear the guy that has a sharp athletic sword. So they, they listed the accomplishments, and all of a sudden I become that guy. 
not some preacher, not trying to jam Jesus down their throat. I become a man-to-man. You know, I, I relate. And so I'm trying to keep this athletic sword sharp because it opens doors to go and speak to people that I would never be invited if they knew I was a pastor. It's all pre-evangelism. And so every one of you listening have a gift. You have a speaking gift or an auto shop gift or a, you know, a mentoring gift or a coaching gift or something, a math gift. And if you give that gift to God, it can turn into a miracle operating gift for the Lord if you don't just dumb it down and make it, ah, oh, this is just what I do. And I try to encourage guys, what's in your hand and what does God want to do, whether it's for juvenile hall or it's for boys club or boys and girls club or whatever it is, you know, what is it that you can do mentoring or teaching that, that God wants? He gave you that gift, not for you, but he gave you that gift for him and for the kingdom. You just get to make money off it, but it's really for him, for you to use to make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I, I use my athletic gift right now in my 60s because I like to talk to seniors about being healthy. I like to use the gift because I like to still work with sports teams. And when I go into men's camps and stuff, you know, what part of me do you want me to talk about? But I'm trying to keep them all sharp. So whatever arrow is in my quiver, whatever arrow is there, that I, can, I can use versus just being a one-arrow guy. Yeah. I want to have multiple arrows. You know, it's, it's nice to have a hammer, but I'd like to have more tools than that to take apart an engine. So I'd like to have a lot of different screwdrivers and stuff in my toolbox because I never know what kind of a person needs what, and I want to be relatable. So athletics is one of the things that keeps me healthy. I sleep good, I eat good, but it also opens doors for me to go out and encourage Navy SEALs and special ops guys and cops and, you know, men, church men and stuff. So it's fun. Yeah. So now if people want to follow up to you, what's the website? Where do they find more information about you? The website, and you guys, you're listening, this is a Christian little podcast deal. But I have a secular website. There's no Jesus on it. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no testimony. Don't send it, me hate mail. Yeah, don't go. God, the guy is such a backslidden compromise. Uh, I, I have a plan, you guys. The website's not for you. Got it? I need good heathens to look at the website. I need cussing, adulterous, bad guys to look at it. And call me and say, I'd like to talk to you. Because they won't go to church. But they may call me, so get off my case if it doesn't have enough Jesus on it for you. But it's Robert <laughs> Hamilton Owens, like the stage play Hamilton or the president uh, Hamilton, roberthamiltonowens.com. <laughs> and I, it's a marketing toy to reach the lost, not to make you guys feel good. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Robert, thank you so much for, for, for making the time, jumping into this, and uh, H-D, I hope we uh, stay in touch. This was really fun. This is all I want. You're not giving me any money for this, so this is what I want returned. I want every one of you. How many, guys, how many subscribers do you have? Uh, right now, I'm just about 2,500. I want to have at least 1,500 responses on this program on what did you learn and thank you Troy for having this podcast so I want Troy to get this response and say and have people say Troy thank you so much this podcast did this for me and that's how you can pay Troy for for having this and using his gift to try to encourage you guys is that okay can I say that yeah you can say that I want I want responses to go to Troy of Troy thanks so much for whatever don't ever have them on again. That's cool. I can I can handle that. You know, just 
I want you to give feedback to Troy on what you liked about it, what you would like more of, what you wish you were heard more about, so that he can continue to customize his podcast to encourage you many pastors that are out there. So please be kind and don't be selfish and just take this thing, but give something back. Okay? And, and we were givers because this podcast doesn't have to have an E on it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to it's say more, that. It's more more blessed to give than to receive. Now you guys receive. I want a donation. Cut the check, and the check is a written form to the podcast. Green uh, Rapper, the visionary. Bless him for doing this. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the Firestarters, which is a Facebook Messenger community I let know first anytime I do anything. You can also get a book there called You Can Certainly Do It that I've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that God's starting in your life. Uh, In addition to that, you can sign up for the seven-day Bible devotional, Become a Sign and Wonder. And as always, be awesome.